On this episode, we talk influencer marketing, landing A-list clients, what content actually means, and why you should do work for free to help launch your career. Chris Cunningham joins the show, and this episode is packed with digital marketing knowledge that will help you take your business to the next level. Um, If you love the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share, and as always, thank you so much for listening. Do you ever wonder how some podcasts get thousands of new listeners and you don't? Do you wonder how people get featured in major publications? Do you ever wonder how Instagram videos go viral? Welcome to the Giant Voices Podcast, hosted by Carson Jones. Every week we bring you the biggest names in podcasting, marketing, and public relations to help you break through the noise and take your brand to the next level. Oh, and we like to mix in the uncomfortable topics like mental health, anxiety, and the internal battles that keep us from growing. Now, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Giant Voices Podcast. On today's episode, Chris Cunningham joins the show. Chris is the VP of Business Development for Elevator Marketing, one of the leading content and influencer marketing agencies in the world. They work with companies like Lyft, Postmates, Fashion Nova, DraftKings, and Cardone Enterprises. He also practices what he preaches. He's the partner of a company called That Pillow Guy, a customized pillow brand that's worked with some of the biggest influencers in the world, like DJ Khaled, Michael Strahan, Snoop Dogg, and so many others. If you're creating content, growing a brand, or selling online, Chris is definitely the guy, and I'm so excited to have him on the show. Chris, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely, man. So excited to be here. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. I know we got a chance to finally meet um, last week. And one of the things about your story that really resonated with me is you really kind of caught your big break per se and really like jumped into business by doing work for influential people for free. So tell me your story and then how, you know, doing stuff for free for influential people eventually led to your career taking off. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm so glad you asked that to start. And I got to love networking events for finally getting to meet you in person. That's why everyone should go to these. Um, but yeah, when I was younger, I started this um, with a friend of mine. We started a company. Um, I had this genius guy, Zeb Evans, who saw a vision early on about social media. And I was you know, lucky enough to be able to help out with sales. And we started seeing it grow quickly. We early on kind of realized how important social media is going to be. This is when I was you know, still in college, just finishing college. So, you know, 10 years ago, way back. And um, Early on, we kind of saw we had something valuable. We had a program that could like, that could follow and engage, which now everyone knows about these. But back then, it was such a hot product. Um, I remember for a company I first went to go, go work for, um, I saw that a team in India just liking and following all these different accounts. We're like, hey, we can build a program to do that, no problem. Um, so this became hot, and we really were able to grow accounts fast. So what I did was I started reaching out to people who I thought were cool, like doing good things on Instagram. You know, your Dan Blazerians your athletes and just say, Hey, look, you have such a cool brand. Why aren't you growing on social? Um, and rather than charge them, whereas the program didn't really cost us anything, obviously we didn't tell brands that when we were selling it, um, but we would just give it to them for free. And you know, that's how I met a lot of really cool people and a lot of the clients and how I ended up in LA. Um, you know, I came across Dan and heard about what we were doing and I spoke to him and obviously I was not going to charge Dan Fleischman. He was crushing it. He was growing in every way. And I think that's why he kind of kept me in mind as he continued to grow and why he asked me to come back and work for him later, which was awesome. So yeah, by me kind of giving away our service free and not trying to make that small time money with important people I saw was going to grow was probably what really jumpstarted my career and the best decision I ever could have made. And I got that off watching like videos and stuff from people like Dan and, um, you know, awesome, awesome. I think awesome entrepreneurs who grew kind of like the older generation from you and us, uh, you and I, like the people who are really growing now. I think they realize that early and that's why they're doing so well. And I just tried to copy that. Yeah, I think that's, 
it's such a good strategy and people are afraid to do it because they don't have any patience. You know, they want to, they want to get money right away for something. If, you know, like you figured out a nice niche and you had the patience to be like, okay, why don't I align with the right people and my brand will grow so much faster. Um, I would say it's like, if you prove what your worth is, then after you prove that worth, then you can charge whatever you're worth as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to charge up front. And then, you know, and, and then have to prove that worth. You can never, you can never raise your price. You know, once you start working with a client, you can never go back and raise your price for the same work um, unless you start doing more. But if you prove your value ahead of time, then you can go back and say, okay, this is what I'm worth. I proved it. You know, now this is what I charge as, as opposed to, uh, to the short term thinking. Is that, is that how it kind of worked for you too? Yeah, man. Look, to play devil's advocate, like I understand so many people come back to me like, well, you're devaluing yourself. If you give something away free, it means it's not worth anything. It's like, no, no, no. You can look at it that way. Sure. But I look at it as like, hey, I just respect you so much. I don't want your money. You know, like I, I really don't. Like I think that you could add more long-term value to me. And you'd, you'd be surprised. If you try that once or twice, people are so apt to help you in so much more ways than giving you a grand or five grand or 10 grand, whatever. They're excited to do much more than that. Make these introductions. A lot of times if someone's really well connected, an introduction or two from them is worth way more than what you're going to get monthly from them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. And it's, it's got to start somewhere. I know, uh, you know, it's just so funny. It's it's, it's a whole trickle down effect too, but um, you really have gotten involved a ton with like content influencers. I feel like you're, you're really owning the space right now. And it's one of the hottest topics in marketing. Um, So when you, when you start working with a new brand, how do you implement a content marketing strategy and start working with influencers? I mean, I love this question. So for me, I get excited. I'm, I'm doing this as soon as I get done with this podcast. I'm you know, starting a new campaign up as we speak. So what I first do is I look at the brand, right? And there's, everyone has goals, KPIs, and you have to figure out what that is first. Like, do, some people just want to grow their following. Like they want to look cool on social media. Um, so you, know, you, you, you attack it that way as such. But some people just want direct sales. And that's what most companies want. And, that's, and that makes sense as well. So I look at what they're really looking for. Is it sales? Is it just brand awareness? Like you just want a lot of investors and people talking about it. So they'll buy it on the shelves. That's, it's really one of the three. Some people want a mix of all, but I look at what they're looking for first. Then secondly, I understand the brand because look, I don't want to end up like, like people promoting the fire festival. Like I want to look at the brand. I want to understand what it is. And I don't want influencers just grabbing something and saying like, Hey, this is the best water out, blah, blah, looking like an ad because it's going to do nothing. We're immune to it. You know, we're going to scroll right past it. Um, so I first, I look at the brand, I really understand their core values. Do they want to be known as classy? Do they want to be known as funny? You know, do they want like a White Claw type campaign where they're everywhere and everyone's just talking about it and making fun of it? You know, White Claw campaigns could work for a lot of brands, but if you have like a high class brand, you don't want that, right? right? So I look for how they want to be perceived by the market and I look for their goals. And then I start looking at influencers. And what separates us from everyone else is that we pay a lot of these influencers on salary. I mean, we have 600 plus that we are paying every month consistently um, to do these brand deals, which is why we can get them cheaper. I mean, obviously everyone thinks that they can just go and hit up these influencers and get calls, but no, they're going to charge you more. One, two, it's hard to get the contracts in play. For us, it's, it's easier to take our little, uh, our commission, our fee, and then to go ahead and get these people because we're already bringing them multiple brand deals. So they're going to want to work for less. But once I figure that out, I look for what their budget is. I put out some influencer options and then we kind of talk through it together and we figure out who feels like that, that all-star cast for them that's going to go out and and work. And again, with, with us paying on salary, another thing is you're stuck with influencers. A lot of times you sign like a six month contract with them. We don't have it like that. If we, if we put 20 people in your campaign and 18 are doing great and two are not, we can switch them out in the month and we'll AB test it like any good marketing plan. 
So, so what comes first? Um, I, I find this interesting because, you know, you have to have the brands before you can pay the influencers, but then, you know, you, you have this, like you said, you guys are paying influencers on salary um, so that you have, you know, those relationships and you can go to them and say, Hey, we've got a new brand. We want to implement this strategy, like help us come up with the creative. Like what, what kind of comes first or have you guys just built it, you know, A and B, you know, next, next to each other at the same time? I'm glad you asked. So <clears throat> what's come first is, I mean, luckily, Dance Well Connect, a lot of brands want to work with us and we are selective on that. But am I, I guess the quick way to answer questions is brands come first, right? Like we have a lot of brands that need the influencers. There's a lot of influencers out there now, like three or four years ago, there weren't as many influencers. There's a lot out there now. Um, so in my opinion, the brands come first because we really need the brands to, to pay the influencers, right? So we keep brands coming in. Um, but the good news is a lot of influencers are coming to us. Like they, they're tired of just doing these one-off, you know, deals here and there they'd rather have something consistent, something monthly, because most of our brand, we don't do something for just one month, very rarely, because um, we don't see the effects for our client. We know it needs to be at least three months, and you'd be doing it consistently, because the rule is seven, right? You need to usually see a brand like seven times where you kind of accept that you're going to investigate it and learn about the brand. So yes, brands come first, um, and then the influencers, they're there. You know, we have a lot of them that are going to work for us. Even if we don't have a brand deal for them at the time, they know we'll come back to them when we do. Yeah. So how do you, how do you all manage all of this? Because I, I just, I've run some influencer campaigns and I, I honestly, I've stopped doing a lot of it unless it's like just handpicked for a client or, you know, one-offs because it, it's a lot, you know, getting a product to an influencer and then coaching them on what the brand wants and then getting them to place the ad and then, you know, tagging, making sure they're putting the, you know, agreed upon stories and making sure they're linking, making sure they're using coupon codes. It, how, how do you guys keep track of all this? Like what, what makes it, how do you, how do you streamline this to make sure it's, you're not losing your, you're not losing sleep over this? I appreciate you saying it, Carson, because it is a lot of work and a lot of people don't realize it. Um, look, it, it's really step-by-step. Step. We have, everyone has their own lane, right? So, you know, I'm talking to brands, but I'm also kind of helping pick the influencers. We're, we're really like a ninja type team, like, and very, very almost family oriented. Like, like Dan's wife helps us. She's very big in going into, I mean, one of, you know, one of his, a lot of his, a couple other people he's very close to, they have the side of going and talking to influencers and then making sure they're turning in all their screenshots. Cause that's tough, right? You gotta be friendly and you gotta talk to influencers and sometimes it's not that easy. So we have that side of things. Then we have a, a legal team, which is actually, uh, uh, you know, very close to us as well, who reaches out and sends out contracts and takes care of that side. Cause that's a whole nother side, you know, getting them to sign the contracts, you know, all that good stuff. So there's that side of things. Then like you said, we have to work together. We have a team of like five of us who kind of comes together and, and speaks with the brand to build like a brand guideline per se. And then that says like, Hey, you can, we want you to get these parts about the brand. We want you to stay away from these words. You know, CBD is really hot right now. A lot of people in CBD are doing influencer marketing campaigns and it's working really well. One, because you know, they can't just do traditional Facebook ads and all that. So they come to us, but we have to be very careful of what they say. We don't want to have any issues with any of our clients. We have a lot of CBD brands. So the brand guideline is very important. It helps us really let them know what they can say, what they can't say, um, and what we want to get across. And then the last step is, again, making sure that things are delivering. So we have this, uh, we have this awesome guy, Dan Rath. I'm not sure if you've met him. He's just a genius at running numbers. So we have uh, all kinds of programs in place that run some numbers to see what's doing well, what's not, so we can go back to our clients and say, hey, like these 10 influencers are killing it. These, you know, not so much, or these type of posts are doing well these not so much. So we, we almost treat it like Facebook ads and everything else and good marketing is whereas we test and we continue to, to, you know, reallocate or move things around until it's perfect. Nice. Nice. So, so small transition. One of the things I like, I pride myself on in this uh, podcast is we don't talk about just traditional like business stuff. Um, talk about like stuff that, you know, goes on in the head, the stuff that people are afraid to talk about. What, 
what keeps you up at night? What, uh, what, what makes you anxious and like that people don't, don't know about you? Man, I love it. You asked that question. Um, I, I get a lot of text messages and a lot of emails. It's not to, you know, like to brag, but sometimes I get stressed at answering test, text messages. I really do. Cause I don't like to be out of the moment. Like I like to, whatever I'm doing, like when I'm here with this client, I like to be involved with the client hands on. I don't want to be pulling out my phone every 10 seconds and them talking to me and me have to be in my phone. Um, so a lot of times I get behind on text and I'm, I'm working on that. I've actually, um, that's what keeps me up at night is who do I not respond to? What DM did I not get? Am I missing a deal here? Am I looking rude by not getting back to someone in a proper, you know, in a proper time frame? Um, which is why I've, you know, I've got someone really helped me on that. I've got a really, really good guy, Morgan John, who helps me is really organized um, and really helps me with that. So I think, it, I think that's what keeps me up at night, but anything that does keep me up at night, I look for solutions. Um, other than that, it's mainly just making sure our clients are happy. You know, I really want, I really do care about our clients. Um, and you know, when you do well in this, in this world, everyone knows about it, but also if you don't, they do as well. So I always want to make sure I'm doing well with every client. So at night I'm going by and I'm looking at the numbers and making sure everything's good. Um, cause this world's not so big, right? Like everyone knows everyone. So if we don't deliver, people are going to know. So I'm, I'm, even though I'm a sales guy and I'm the guy that brings it in, I still care if we deliver. I still want to back it up every time. Yeah. It's funny. You said that on the text messages, I have 200 and something like unresponded to. And yeah. you Successful, right? Well, you, you feel selfish, but at the same time, it's almost like being a little selfless because you realize there's only so many hours in the day and you can't do everything. You know, no. you, you see, so you have to pick, it's pick your spots. And I think people understand like, like our first communications were like one text message and then like three <laughs> days later a response. And you know, and it's like, saying, I'm guilty right here, right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I think people understand. It's like when we ran into each other, it wasn't like, Hey, Chris, why didn't you respond to my text message? It was like, yeah, I get it. We're busy. So yeah. let's talk more and let's make moves. But I like it because then, then the action comes into place. It's like you could, that's why sometimes I, I like when people respond how you did. Some people be like, oh man, you know, you didn't hit me back, but it's like, hey, I'm sorry. You have 200 unread texts. I have hundreds of them, you know. Sometimes you miss one or some or sometimes a call comes in, you take it and you're, you're off the train of thought. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, I think it's just understanding like what your goals are because ultimately you can't please everybody. So, you know, you, you've got to, you got to pick your spots. Like you said, you've made, big commitments to clients and your goal when you take somebody's money or when you take somebody's business is to deliver. So if that means that you can't respond to somebody, you know, that that's, you signed up for that. So you've got to be a little bit selfish to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Cause like you said, this, this world is small. And if you're not delivering, you know, that, that text message isn't as important as a client that's angry because you're not delivering. So uh, yeah. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's, that's always good stuff to talk about, though, because I feel like people think that they're isolated and they, they, they start feeling bad about stuff like that. And I think we're all, you know, guilty of that from time to time. So, um, but yeah, so, so let's transition to the, the pillow guy, because this was the first place I heard about you, because this brand has really gone everywhere. You know, you guys have really infiltrated culture. Um, like I said, DJ Khaled, like Michael Strahan, I saw DJ Polly D throwing pillows off stages. Like you guys have worked with everybody. How did, uh, how did that pillow guy get started and why, why pillows? Yeah. And the pillow guy, I want to make sure everyone knows that, that's, that's all Oleg Lee. who's just a genius. He's one, he's a founder. Um, I've been helping him with sales. He found, actually it's, it's a funny story. We found each other. Uh, the same guy I was speaking about earlier, Morgan, introduced us. We were both looking to move into an apartment complex, and we were going to get our own. And he was like, hey, you guys just get one of the penthouses and live together because this guy's never going to be here. He lives in Chicago, and he has a factory. Um, so and then we became roommates, technically, even though he's never there. But we made the house like it was at 1600 Vine where all the influencers live. And so we made sure everyone had pillows there. Everyone saw it. And the pillows are awesome. I mean, if you see them, they're very – we need to send you some. I'll, I'll get you some after they're this. They're awesome. No problem. I'll send some out. Um, but Oleg really is a genius in that 
he's relentless and, and like he knows he has a product that's awesome. He knows he can add value. So he would literally go after anyone and, and he just, he has no problem getting away free products. I mean, we've given probably most every influencer out that is doing well a pillow, to be honest, you know, and, and some kind of custom way. And it's, it really drives sales. He's smart and he's smart in how he promotes it. Um, and what I love about it is he'll, he'll really find the right person. We want to get in touch with Sway Lee, right? And I was like, man, it would be so cool to get in touch with Sway Lee. He's, he's crushing it. And he's like, I'll figure out a way. And this guy like stays up at night and he keeps, and he, he looks and Sway Lee only followed like seven people. And one is kind of like this just normal looking guy, not like a rapper or something. So he's like, hey, this is probably one of his guys. DMs him and sure enough, it's like his assistant. Um, awesome guy, Jacob. And, he, and they invite us to the studio. We bring pillows. And it just becomes, I mean, it becomes this huge ordeal because when we were there, we also had marshmallow pillows that we were delivering the next day to marshmallow. <laughs> so at least signed one for marshmallow. I was like, let's get a track coming soon. It was, it was just really cool to see that, like the communication through the pillows of Sway Lee and Marshmallow. But the real way it came up is early on, he, um, he had a different company and he, he, it's like a dog leash company. He thought, Hey, I could really make these custom pillows and do a good job with it. And then he just pushed to everyone. Like he got on Groupon and things like that. And people liked it. And I think once he got on um, the power broke with Damon John, then good morning America and a few others, the buzz just went everywhere. And he's really mastered the space. I don't think anyone else could really hop in and do what he's doing one because he's already doing so well. The pillow guy, he's branded himself really well. He's done a great job of branding himself. Um, you know, his videos are consistent. He's with influencers all the time. And then third, I think he's just going to outwork anyone else. I think that it'll always do well. And he's, you know, like we love helping him. We love selling it and giving it to all our influencers is where I've been able to help um, with companies as well too. It's great for like, I mean, Instagram bought pillows for their office. They look really good. I'm excited to send you some giant voices ones. They're, they're yeah, really good. That'd be cool. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really cool. And it's really cool how all influencer campaigns are not created equal. You know, I see all the time, like brands are just like, Hey, I'd love to send you this product. And they send the influence to the product, the influencer posts it, and then it's done. Like, yep. what do you think is the key to maximizing a relationship in an influencer campaign as, as opposed to just, uh, to just sending them a product and then posting and then it's done. Like what, what else can you do with that content? What makes a story, what turns it into viral or what turns it into something you can use for ads? You know, there's, there's so much more you can do with it as opposed to just sending it to them and getting a post. Man, you hit it right on. And that's why we won't ever, we won't ever do that. Right. We were just not going to do it because it doesn't work. It's not how we, it's not how we operate. So one, like you said, one of the things you hit perfectly is it's got to tell a story, right? So we, we understand what part of the brand can go into the influencer's life. Like a lot of fitness products, right? Like there's, I'm talking with at Charlie right now, um, who's an awesome guy. I can't talk to Man, he's great. Um, and he's got this really, he's got so many cool things going on right now. We have like a, a workout fan and he's got this really cool journey. I don't, I don't know if I can share it yet. So hold off. He's got some really cool stuff coming up and um, we're doing is we're incorporating him to like his everyday life, right? You know, he's been trying to lose weight and he has a hard time doing yeah. the pushups and he loves doing, but this brand slingshot uh, can really help him with the pushups. So it, it makes it a lot easier and he's able to do it. So it's, it really works for him and it's a part of his journey. So not only do we have him just, post once and talk about it. No, we want, we have them doing stories and then we take it a step further. Like if you're really going to be with that brand, we believe that a lot of the brands we work with that are working with influencers should have large events, right? You work with these, look at Dan Blazoon's Ignite. Like every time he has a party, you know, Vitaly's there, all, all the big people are there, right? Mm -hmm. And same with our other brands, same with First Form. When First Form has this huge event in St. Louis, they have all their influencers come and they have a lot of eyeballs on it. So one, I think it's, it's sending the product and making sure it's a part of what they do and something they can use in their daily life. Like Charlie doesn't feel like he's even using it as an ad. Like he actually enjoys using it and he loves showing his fans. Same with Dan. Dan was there and loves hanging around these influencers like organically. He really does a lot of them and loves having them on his trips and they love using the product. Um, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So that works out well too. Um, and the last thing is having events, like bringing them all together, like making it like a community. 
Like a lot of those influencers become friends and like each other's stuff and comment on each other's stuff from being on campaigns together. So I think it's just, you know, th those three steps, having a, a part of their life and their, like, their story and what they're doing in the future. Two, um, you know, actually having it resonate and having events to kind of bring everyone together. And then three, I think it's like, don't just, don't just make it an ad. Like don't just talk about it. Don't just do it once. Like have it be a part of their life and have them do it consistently. Yeah. So I didn't even have events down to talk about, but I know that's a big part of what you guys do. Um, and I was talking to Casey Adams. I know he's a good friend of ours. And he says he loves the power of events because there's something powerful about, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, an event like, like a damn Bilzerian where it's just people partying together and hanging out and having a good time or mm -hmm. like an event like, you know, you guys show where it's, you know, a bunch of speakers, a bunch of people come to listen and absorb knowledge and absorb energy of the room. Um, how do you guys think about events? Like, what do you think makes an event so special that you just can't get on YouTube? Because one thing I would say, like, an event we were at last week, we were at World's Conference, and I always tell people that I don't necessarily go to events to listen to speakers because that's all information that I could get on YouTube. If I wanted to hear somebody's story, if I wanted to hear that advice, I can get it on YouTube. Um, it's more so about the networking. But there is also something power about the energy in the room um, of going to an event. I, I remember at the end of world's conference, like I really hadn't had much of a breakthrough. I, you know, I'd met some good people. I had some great conversations. Um, but then the very last person I, I heard was a guy named Jim quick. And I don't know if you know, Jim, but remarkable. And I sat there and listened and I hung around afterwards as long as I could, because my mind was so blown, um, at what this man was talking about. And sure. I could have I could have, I could have heard all that information on his podcast, on his YouTube, but there was something special about being there. Like what makes an event so powerful, um, live? First of all, just to touch Jim quick is, is incredible. Dan, Dan Fleisch was a great friend of his as well. And I mean, he, he really, I see why you had a breakthrough with him of all the people. He's one of the best. To answer your question one, I think events, I think the networking is a big part of it. Like, I think it's really cool to meet people you've seen around, like especially with social media. Now, a lot of times you see these people on Instagram you know, and you feel like you know them, <clears throat> but it's something different to meet them in person or even to see them speak in person um, is a big one. Two, I think like a lot of times it's hard to necessarily find what you're looking for when you're just searching through podcasts. You know, sometimes you're, if you're a consistent listener, yes, but I might, I might just look at one episode of Jim Quick and not get the right one. So I think it is good to go to these events too, to, to see them speak in person, to see their mannerisms, how they interact with the crowd, I think is a big thing as well. Um, I think a lot of times people put things in, a, in live events they might not put on their podcast because they want to give something special. So I do think there's a lot of stuff that, you know, some people obviously will just throw out things that they have on their podcast, but others save things for the live events to be more special because they want to get booked for more events. They want to give stuff that you can't find out online that you needed to see there to pay for as uh, a big thing there. Um, so I think, I think it's a combination of networking and then also the chance to speak to some of these people live. Like if you look at it, like Dan will, Dan will answer questions for people live, saying a lot of people stay after and talk, maybe not for so long, but you can actually meet these speakers that you've looked up to for a long time and ask them like a direct question. Another thing at Worlds I really liked was the, it was almost like speed dating where you could go and you could talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and ask them a couple of questions. That was really cool and helpful for me too. Yeah, that personalization is important too because, you know, they might answer and you might get some content that is, you know, pertinent to you. But if you can ask that exact question that maybe has been something that's bothered you for a long time, you can get that direct answer where, you know, you're just getting general information on the podcast. So yeah, I think- I think that's, that's really important too. And the other thing you mentioned was content. Um, that's, it's, it becomes such a buzzword. Um, what, so what is content? Cause I know that's Dan's pillar. That's your all's pillar. Like if you were to explain, if you were to break down content to somebody that, 
you know, has maybe not been living on the internet for a while. Like, what is it other than just making a post on Instagram? Like, how do you guys think about content? It's funny because three years ago, I was a tech nerd who knew nothing about content and just knew how to grow accounts and, you know, sell software. And now I've just seen content become the most important thing, hands down, period. Um, I, I, the, simple, the simple answer is I look at content as just, as it, first for in our world, it's, it's, it's adding value, right? Like for us, it's, it's putting content out that someone can learn from and add value, but it's not that for everyone. You know, some people, it's just really cool aesthetics. You know, you look at like a Sam Colder or someone who does something valuable. I'm sorry, who does something just incredibly, it looks cool and that you love to watch. There's that too. For me, content is taking what you do best and putting it out to the world in a cool way that's that's shareable. I think that's what what content is because content for you is, is what we're doing right now, right? This is a big part of your content. Content for me right now, I'm still trying to figure out what my brand is, right? I have cool photos where I've traveled. That's that's great, but I need more videos. That's what I'm working on now. Uh, but I'm trying to figure out what what my brand is. So I think I think content is is can be taken a lot of different ways, but for what it is now, right now, it's 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 your brand. It is you know how you perceive and how you can add value to people um, as, as a brand, your content is just how can you get people involved and engaged with you and feel like they know you for a personal uh, brand. It could be a couple of different things, right? Your content could be you speaking like how Dan's is and Dan's is always adding value, which is why I probably default to answering that first. Um, I think other entrepreneurs, their content is just showing how cool their lifestyle is. And, and that's cool too. You know, I think, um, but I think content's starting to evolve and change. I think, three or four years ago is just how cool can I be? And that's content. You know, how can I make people jealous of my lifestyle and, and want to follow me? But now people don't follow for that. You know, like if you want to look at someone rich, you can find that out pretty easily, but now you're looking for who can help me learn and not to say who can help me learn and get rich. That's starting to play out too. It's who can actually help me navigate this world and find what career works for me on the career side. If you're an athlete, how can I, you know, what can I learn from you to, to take my game to next level? Um, so it's, I think it's taking what you've mastered and sharing it with the world in a cool way. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you're, you're definitely right. It, it can be anything too. It doesn't have to be aesthetic. I, I, I think uh, Charlie, who we were just talking about, yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy, he, he's so authentic. Like he's I think raw, he's real raw. Like he, he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. Like he's just really transparent. Like he'll, he'll go on and just put like text on his, on his, on his picture. And, you know, from the people that are teaching content and aesthetics, like that would be, the wrong thing to put because it's not uh, it's not necessarily you know what people are looking for but because it's so raw and it's so authentically himself it's it really resonates with people he shows his vulnerabilities he shows like what bothers him and i think so i just I think it, it can be whatever you want it to be it's 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 what makes you unique though um and i think that's the cool question about content it's kind of a loaded question and that's why i asked because yeah. i wanted to get your perspective because it can be whatever you want it to be as long as it's authentic to you and as long as you're not pandering or posturing to being something you're not, because the worst thing you can do is, you know, take a picture in front of a Lamborghini when everybody knows you're a fraud because this world is small. So if you're posturing as something that you're not, people are going to find out and then you're just doing more harm than you, than you are good. Yeah. Baller Busters is doing a really good job of putting people in check. I don't know if you've seen that account. <laughs> it's an Instagram account calling people out for that. But I think you, you, you mentioned one point that I missed and it is, it is about being authentic, man. I think that that's what it's cool. That's becoming cool again because it used to not be. I think now it's like we want to see someone raw. I want to see someone cry or someone talk about like what they went through last week. Because I'm gonna learn more about what your struggles than what your you know your your wins. It's cool you made five million dollars, but how did you how did you bounce back when you were bankrupt? You know that that's cool to me, and I think that's becoming a trend. 
Yeah. And I think it just, uh, just understanding that we're all on the same journey. Um, I was reading uh, Mark Menard's book, uh, or it's called Unfuck Yourself, um, explicit podcast. It's, uh, fantastic. And he was talking about how, you know, happiness isn't necessarily an in, in journey because everyone, everyone has different problems at different stages of their life. You know, the, the person that's broke is worried about getting, you know, a hundred dollars to eat dinner. The person that's a millionaire is worried about paying taxes and worried about, you know, a, a, some, some people trying to get his money. Like, like everybody has different problems at different states. So it's all about like embracing the process of where you are as opposed to, uh, you know, to thinking that there's some end, end goal to happiness. So that's, I think that's unique too, because no matter where you are in life, like that authenticity um, always resonates with people. So. hundred percent. I agree. So let's, let's wrap this up. So what's, what's next for you guys? Uh, what's next for Elevator? What's next for your brand? Um, what's this next uh, 12 to 18 months look like for you? Man, uh, a lot's happening with us. We're growing fast. We're really trying to be more full service. So we know we do a good job of influencer marketing. We're starting to manage social campaigns as well because we really get what looks good on social media. Obviously, it, it helps us if we run your social media campaign for your social look good, right? If we have influencers posting to your brand, we want your brand page to look good. Um, we're also now you know, doing like more marketing, like, like Facebook ads, things like that. We're offering those services, partnering up with some awesome companies doing that. Hopefully, starting to push more podcasts. And th- our, our goal is to become one circle, like everything you need because we already have such a good reputation. We've, you know, we've really been lucky in the past, like what, six, seven years through, you know, Dan growing the company, adding in Joey Carson, CEO, which has been huge for us. Um, you know, cause that kind of brings that TV element into play. Joey, I don't know if you know, but um, he was you know, CEO of Buena Murray, Fox, um, Dr. Phil show, you know, he's behind the real world, which is one of the biggest shows of, of the past. So he's, he, he also knows the trend that like product placement stuff and TV is not really working anymore, but it is an influencer marketing. Um, so our goal is to become more well-rounded. We're, we're looking to, to you know, partner up, buy companies if, if need be, to kind of make that happen. And so we're definitely growing. Our goal is to be a lot bigger um, and be able to service a lot more clients, but be very consistent and streamline the process and make sure we're, we're adding value to everyone. As for me, um, I'm looking to grow as a person. I'm around so many awesome people in LA. Man. Like, the, like the network there is really strong. So I'm trying to learn from them. I'm trying to learn from the Dans, the Joeys, the, the Joel Marions, all these awesome people around and entrepreneurs. And I'm really trying to figure out my brand. Like, yes, I've been a good sales guy. I've been in tech. Um, I know social media pretty well. But I think I really want to validate what that is that I offer and kind of make my own brand. I don't know if that's going to be a little more funny. I don't know if it's going to be, um, you know, just straight focus on sales. I'm figuring that out as we speak. And I'm going to throw some videos out there and see what works. So if you're looking for that, I'll probably ask for your help on some stuff as well with, with a lot of growing. So, yeah, that's, that's us for the next 12 to 18 months, just growing and just improving. Yeah, I think we're all trying to figure it out. Um, I know my my personal brand, I've kind of it's kind of turned into like the podcast guy, but you know my like my my feed is all just personal life for the most part. Occasionally a business, you know, something business worthy, but for the most part I keep that in the stories. So I think uh, I think we're all trying to figure out our brand in some way, and it's always constantly evolving. So um, Chris, I appreciate you coming on the show. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Yeah, man. Hit me up, uh, Chris at elevator.studio or follow me on Instagram, just at Cunningham. Nice. That's a nice at too. I'm, I'm trying to get the at Carson, but I don't think Are I'm going to get that uh, one, Is so. it taken right now? Yeah. Oh, I, was like, yeah. Probably was, I looked up at Chris and the guy, the first thing on his bio was, no, you cannot have my username. So like, I'll, I'll give that one up. But if you want, if you want some other ones, let me know. We can talk. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I appreciate you coming on, Chris. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Giant Voices Podcast. If you love the show, don't forget to subscribe, 
share, and leave a review. Also, if you have questions, message us on Instagram at Giants underscore Voices or message Carson at Carson Jones.